This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Now, I, I understand that the NFL doesn't want its players, its coaches criticizing officials. I mean, I get that. I've always believed this. A league is only as, as strong as it's officiating. If it can't be trusted, then you don't have a league. There are going to be calls you don't like, interpretations you disagree with, but the integrity of the officiator has got to be solid or you don't have a league. So I get that. But in the case of what Tomlin said, I think a fine is ill-advised. And here's why. He didn't criticize any of the game officials. In fact, the opening part of his statement was, I thought a lot of those calls were legitimate. Then he said, but some of the other stuff, we got to get out of the game. So he wasn't criticizing the performance of the on-field officiating. He was, in essence, criticizing the league for instituting rules that cannot be officiated on the field. He's been consistent in that. And I say he's part of the law because he is a member of the competition committee who creates these rules. Now, by the way, that rule about landing on the quarterback, that's been in the books for over 20 years. But they decided, well, we're going to enforce it now, arbitrarily. But Tomlin has been consistent. If you go back a couple, three weeks ago, when this thing first hit, really the first week was the first Clay Matthews hit, he said... I wonder how many people will stay watching games on TV if this is what they're seeing. In other words, he's speaking from the perspective of what's good for the league. It's not like he was speaking as an aggrieved coach that his team was victimized, it's being targeted. No, he was speaking for the benefit of the league. Look, like him or not, one thing I can tell you about Tomlin is he loves the game of football. He really is a student. He he loves the game itself, not just the Steelers, not just the NFL. He loves football. And he was speaking so that the game puts out its best foot. And when he was talking about some of these roughing the quarterback calls from other games, not his own, but from other games. I'm paraphrasing this statement, but he said, I wonder how people at home are going to continue watching that. He's speaking because the game is being injured. Now, it should be mentioned, as I told you a couple weeks ago, ratings are up significantly this year. Whether that holds or not, I don't know, but they are up. But there's no one that I hear out there saying, yeah, I really like those new quarterback sack rules. And this is what he was saying again. He was saying that a lot of the calls administered in Sunday's win over Atlanta he thought were legitimate. I mean, the T.J. Watt one. But the Steelers have been the beneficiaries of other dubious calls, too. When Ben has been hit or touched. What he's saying is, overall, it's not good for the game. And I think he's got a platform because he's a member of the competition committee. 
and he said that before. His concern is not just for his team, his quarterback, or his defensive linemen or linebackers rushing opposing quarterbacks. His motives are pure. He's talking about the game, and he's been consistent in that regard. And I imagine when they had this conference call a couple of weeks ago of members of the competition committee, he's one of the more tenured guys in that competition committee. He probably had a lot to say. The league says they're not going to do anything now, but they'll continue to monitor it. And the truth of the matter is is that calls after the first couple weeks went way down, but they were back up last week. And I don't think that it's because defensive linemen or linebackers or anybody rushing the quarterback don't get it. It's that they're not consistent. We don't know exactly, quote, what it's supposed to be or what it is. I think in this case that Tomlin was not calling out a referee, a linesman, a back judge, nobody individually and saying he's terrible. I mean, he wasn't pointing out to Angel Hernandez in baseball saying he's terrible, which he is. Several players brought that out. He's starting to challenge my man, C.V. Buckner, for the worst umpire rule, along with Randazzo. But anyway, that's a different topic. (laughs) He was saying that the game is being hurt by this, the game and the league. To me, that's not finable. That's not what should be fined. It should be a clarion call to the league to say, We better look at this. And something else strikes me, too. And that is that we don't like it. You don't like it. I don't like it. When all you get out of a coach is coach speak. So we place microphones, cameras in front of these guys. And we decry, well, that's coach speak. Well, And then when they tell the truth, they get fined for it. Now, that doesn't mean you can say everything. We put mics in front of guys, microphones, and, and, you know, want comments. And when a guy tells the truth that has some weight to it, the league finds him. Michael says, I never liked Tomlin, but getting fined for telling the truth is BS. David says, it's actually the only rule the NFL is consistent on. Criticize the refs, you get fined. Neil goes, I agree with Neil, Mike Tomlin that the over-officiating is ruining the game. Goodell is a snowflake. Well... Goodell, uh, you know, is is defending against losses, what he's doing. Edward posts on Facebook, I'm not a Mike Tomlin fan, but I agree with him. The officiating is bad. He called it out for what it is. Bill says, Stash, I agree. The NFL management team is a joke. No way Tomlin should have been fined for making true comments. Thoughts that every NFL fan were thinking. Again, he was doing it in trying to bring attention that the league is in danger of hurting its product. Scott says he worked with Roger Good- uh, Tomlin's worked with Roger Goodell enough to know that this is what he does anytime somebody says something that he doesn't agree with. Goodell is akin to a child having a tantrum. Everything has to be his way or he loses it like a child. I don't know if it came directly from Goodell. Matthew says the NFL is an authoritarian organization. You criticize, you get fined. I look at it like more of a helpful helpful suggestion. Not, It was critical, but it was constructive. That's the thing. It was constructive criticism. He's trying to guard against the NFL injuring itself. One last thing, we'll be continuing this conversation. 
Pro Football Focus today, you know, they do all the analytics. You know how much I love analytics, but okay, there's a place for them. They've got their top 10 NFL teams, and there are some surprises in here. Number one, the Rams. Don't argue. Number two, Kansas City. Number three, New Orleans. Number four, New England, despite being three and two. They are New England, after all. Number five, Carolina. Number six, Minnesota. They lost to Buffalo. <laughs> but they, you know, they, they beat the Eagles. Number seven, the Steelers. They move up after beating Atlanta. Number, excuse me, number seven, the Eagles, even though they are struggling. They're two and three. There's analytics. Number eight, the Steelers. They move up after the win over Atlanta. Here's what gets interesting to me. Baltimore's number 10, despite the fact they have a better record than the Steelers and beat them soundly. And the Bengals are number 14. They're 4-1. and one. They lead the division. They beat Baltimore. They're 14th. Middle of the pack. That tells you pro football focus doesn't think they're for real. We'll know a whole I just I find that fascinating. I mean, I don't have any issues here. They're, you know, basing it on their formulas and so on and so forth. But in any event, the Steelers are ahead of both Baltimore and Cincinnati with a worse record. But they're behind Philadelphia, who has a worse record than they do. Might be strength of schedule. Something else about this, too. Uh, consider this. Look at the look at the Steelers' schedule, right, uh, of this top group. They play Kansas City. They have to play New Orleans. They have to play New England. They have to play Carolina. And they still have one game left with Baltimore and two with Cincinnati. That's pretty tough going. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Five at the nine. Pass. Hook, touchdown, Antonio Brown. His fourth of the year. Inside the right pylon, he had Oliver in trail. Well, the combination of Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, it certainly clicked last Sunday. By the way, just before we bring Rob in here, um, Antonio Brown said today about the lawsuits being filed or have been filed against him. Um, he says they are false claims. Here is his statement, Antonio Brown. Uh, it has now been made public. The two lawsuits containing false claims have been filed against me. The facts will soon come out that prove my innocence. My focus will remain on football, and I will not let the cases serve as a distraction. Okay. I, I retweeted that and said, what'd you think he was going to say? Yeah, I did it. Uh, <laughs> where do I sign to settle? We're joined now by uh, Rob King. Um, had a long talk yesterday, Rob, about Antonio Brown. I mean, the things he does away from the field or even some on the field, I look at it like if it doesn't affect the football team's performance or his, then I don't care. Well, uh yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a professional athlete. So, and there's there's so much that goes on now. Guys trying, and obviously this doesn't <laughs> this doesn't fall into that category. These 
uh, these lawsuits. But, you know, guys trying to build their brand, guys trying to draw attention to themselves probably in ways that they never have before. Um, and there, there are more ways to do that than there ever have before. I mean, I think guys, you know, there are a lot of guys that start eyeing what they're going to be doing post-career, how to build their brand while they're still playing. So uh, I think that's what we're seeing with a lot of this stuff. How can you build your brand? How can you make sure that you become a marketable guy who can who can go out and, and do commercials and do some of the other things that we see star athletes be able to do? Um, obviously, this lawsuit thing is a, is a different thing. But yes, they're, they're, they're paid professionals. So what happens away from the field, as long as it's not, you know, uh, obviously a, a, a gross legal issue, um, then you just, I think you just move on. But obviously there are certain lines that you don't want to see your guys cross. Yeah, and you know, I mentioned when this first came up, um, the thing about Antonio Brown is I certainly don't agree with or condone some of the things he's done in the locker room on the field, but this is the first time, uh, and it's a, it's a very low bar, I admit, but this is the first time that there's anything involved with a, a legal issue with him. I mean, the stuff that he's done probably isn't terribly palatable uh, to the management or inside the locker room, but he's like some other NFL players. He's never really, it seems to me, crossed the line in terms of violating the law. No, I mean, not that not that comes to mind for me. I mean, a lot of the things that he's done, I think, come under the heading of what we've talked about. And I think a lot of it goes to this, Dan. If his teammates, if it doesn't bother his teammates. It's a different world. Uh, it's a different world than the one that you and I grew up participating in and covering early on in our careers. If it do- this is my general feeling on this. If it doesn't truly doesn't bother their teammates, again, as long as it's not some sort of egregious legal offense, um, if it doesn't bother their teammates, why should it bother us? Um, you know, and, and, and look, everybody gets a, a chance to make their own decision. I don't like those annex. I don't like uh, the, the end zone celebrations. I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, that that's all stuff that everybody individually has to make their own mind up about. By and large, for me, if it doesn't affect their teammates, if their teammates like the guy and don't care what he's doing, then that probably speaks volumes about what kind of teammate he is. I think. Or, or sometimes how productive he is. Right. <laughs> well, well said. Um, you know, speaking of, of teammates and so on and so forth, uh, we were just talking with Mark Madden just before you came on, uh, and at the last part of his segment, he was talking about um, what we expect from Cincinnati, and by that he meant extracurricular activity. Uh, Burfecht may have a score to settle with Juju Smith-Schuster, Marvin Lewis. At a press conference yesterday, his weekly press conference said, well, we don't, we're not going to be involved. But, you know, he's never had any control over Burfecht or a lot of his team. Do you anticipate that rearing its ugly head when they meet Sunday? Because it has virtually in, on every occasion they've met over the last three, four years. It almost, the, the question is almost why would you expect it not to mm-hmm. because it's been so prevalent. I mean, I don't know if a, I don't know if a player will – I don't know if a player will look – to necessarily now look, you might look to um, you know if it's close, rip into a guy. You know if you think the whistle's about to be blown and you think you can get away with it, um, you might take a shot at a guy in a game like this. I think that it doesn't need much because you know until until it goes away, and and, and this is what we saw with the Steelers and the Ravens. Um, you know a lot of that was hard physical football. A lot of it was very very close to the line. Some of it was probably over the line back when it was such a great rivalry, that it doesn't take much. It's like, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, 
you know, you have a couple of coworkers. Um, one guy you, you you really like, and and he does something. And, yeah, you, you have patience for it because you really like him. Another guy rubs you the wrong way. Are you um, speaking about me? But... <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you want. I but, resemble that but, remark. But you know how it is. Another guy rubs you the wrong way, and and you're a little quick, a little quicker on the trigger. And I think that's just human nature. So that's what happens in games like this. Guys just get a little quicker on the trigger based on what's happened in the past and the relationship the two teams have. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but you know, the things he's done, obviously the league's taken notice. And I have to wonder, uh, I know that before the last game, the league was well aware, and at both benches, coaches, and certain players were warned about stuff. Uh, and I, I don't know who has been assigned to officiate the game, but I've got to believe that that referee and that group of officials has been told, hey, uh, you know, keep an eye out, and or, or there may be a conversation uh, pregame on the field. We're not going to tolerate much, if anything at all. It would be nice. I would have no problem with them being preemptive in that way, Stan. That wouldn't bother me in the least um, because I, I don't really – it doesn't – it doesn't do anything for me. I love the game of football. I love hard, physical football. Um, I, the the over-the-line stuff, that doesn't do anything for me. I, th- I think it, it sickens me sometimes when I see some of the stuff. And I think that the guys should have respect for each other as far as you know, look, I don't, I don't care if you want to, like, sort of physically hurt somebody. You know, like, ooh, that caused you pain. But you're injuring guys, and that, that's, you know, if, if that's your intent, I, I, I just think, I think that crossed the line that doesn't, I, I, you know, it doesn't sit well with me. So, I, you know, again, everybody's got their own thing, what, what they like, what brings them to the ball game. To me, I like a good, hard, physical game. I would have no problem with the officials saying, Look, no more of this nonsense. We're going to have a hair trigger. If it happens, you're out of the game. I'd have no problem with that. But now, can can the officials do that on their own, or would they have to get? Would they have to have the backing of the league before even doing it? It would probably. I, I don't know. The league. I don't know. If officials would really have that kind of latitude where they could go in without knowledge from the league and 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 lay down the law. Well, speaking of that, in the same vein, I opened today's show uh, by talking about how unfair I think it was for the NFL to find Mike Tomlin for his comments after the game Sunday. Uh, he did not target an official. Matter of fact, he prefaced his remark by saying, I thought all the calls were legitimate. So he wasn't talking about the officiating that game. He was talking about overall and the harm that it is doing to the league and the fans watching the league. His comments were sort of an admonition of the league as a member of the competition committee. we got to get this right. And a couple of weeks ago, he talked about the Clay Matthews hits in particular. He said, I wonder, some guy sitting at home watching that game, what's he thinking? How, how long is he going to want to sit and watch that? He said the league has to be careful. Uh, and I thought that in, in, it was constructive criticism. Uh, I understand why they want to find you know, guys who complain about officiating. I didn't think that was the case, and I thought in this case, the fine was ill-advised. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a uh, I'm a free speecher when it comes to this. I think guys should be able to say mostly what they want. Look, there there are lines you don't want crossed. It is an entertainment business. You do. I mean, if somebody's harshly critical of the officials, um, I understand where you want to try to keep that in line. You know, the whole one big happy family thing. Though, I mean, I roll my eyes at that. And then you know the fact that you can't because you know what guys are. You know what coaches and players are thinking and what they're not saying um so to to, sort of pretend that it's not um an issue i think is a little bit silly 
but I also think that why even have the press conferences then? If guys can't say something, what do you want them to say? Right. Yes, no, beats me, okay, that's it. I mean, if, if you can't have some honesty, then why even have them? And yeah, I, we, and I we, think complain, think... we complain about coach speak. Right, exactly. We put microphones and cameras in front of him, and then when he says something at last, uh, long last meaningful, he gets fined. Yeah, it, it, you know, um, I, I agree, Stan. And look, it's a, in, in, in many ways it's a carefully packaged um, message that the league wants to get out there. And I understand it. They've got a big brand to defend. But there are certain things you, you've got to let go. And, and look, um, some personality. Um, listen, they tried to do away with the end zone celebrations and all that stuff. It was, you know, it was trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. It can't happen. And there are a lot of people that like it. I don't, I don't care for it. Really, and, and um, you know, to me, I think you score a touchdown, you hand the ball to the official, you thank the 10 guys that are your teammates for making the play happen, and you get in the huddle and go, well, guess what? I'm a dinosaur as far as that's concerned, you know? Uh, other people, um, you know, people that are casual fans really enjoy it as long as it doesn't cross a line. They think it's fun, and the players think it's fun. Great. So, um, you know, they tried to kind of, they kind of, they tried to put that back into a box. It didn't work. I think the, the message is that people like a little bit of personality in the game they like a little something to talk about and and to me that didn't cross any line that didn't that didn't get to to the point where you're really oh boy we can't have this kind of thing and i under like i said i understand where they want to do that i get it but this didn't cross any line to me this is this is interesting this is an interesting discussion point to me not something that should be slapped down and fined all right rob we agree on that and many other things i agree that i will see you later today uh, as the Penguins host the Vegas Golden Knights. Thanks, Rob. Enjoyed it, as always. Okay, Stan, thanks. Okay, there he goes, Rob King of AT&T Sportsnet. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Stan and Guy, hey, love the show, dude. That's absolutely right. It's Stan and Guy back together again. Here's Stan Saverin and Guy Junker. Those look like legitimate calls. We got to be better there, but some of the other stuff, man, is a joke. We we got to get better as a National Football League, man. These penalties are costing people games and jobs. Uh, we we got to get them correct, and um, so I'm pissed about it, to be quite honest with you. But that's all I'm gonna say on it. Well, maybe all he's gonna say may not be all he's going to pay. <laughs> you pay for your thrills, and he's twenty five grand. Uh, the poor poorer. Um, he's making about three, four million a year. I'm sure that he'll still have the same meal on the table tonight. It's standing guy time. Love the show. After a week off, how was your week off? It was good. We were supposed to go to North Carolina, and the hurricane ruined that. So we so you decided to go to the Panhandle in Florida instead. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, we actually we almost went to Tampa, but the red tide was still messing around there. Uh, so we wound up at Lake Chautauqua for a few days. And it's it was nice up there. It was very nice, but it was very dead this time of year. It was real peaceful, but almost too peaceful. I could use a little more excitement. Yeah, when you're the most exciting person in Chautauqua, it's a pretty so, boring place. The lake's 18 miles long. We took a boat out one day. There were three boats on okay. the entire. 18 miles. <laughs> uh, let's pick up with the Mike Tomlin comments. I got my and, brand new headsets on. I just bought these at oh. get-go. I was in line for a coffee, and I thought he liked those. I, I do like Little them. clip-on thingies. It'll mess up your lovely hair that way. <laughs> I like them. I, I like it. Um, my headband for my headphones goes right over my bald spot, so it doesn't mess up the hair. It's good. Um, 
I, I really thought, it's not a defense of Mike Tomlin. I realize that most people don't like him, although in this particular case, a lot of people are supporting him because he spoke the truth. You heard the con- I heard him live. We were getting ready to do the postgame show. Um, uh, I, I, I thought the fine was unfair. I've already explained my position. I want your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I'm not as uh, lenient toward it as you are, only in that I think you, when you're on the competition committee, I think you're held to a higher standard, Stan. And I think I think the one word in it got him in trouble, and that was joke. Whether he was talking about you, you can't question the rules, or a, a part of which you're part of making these rules or the officiating, and call it a. I think if he would not have used that word, he might not have been fined. And I certainly don't think he would have been fined if he wasn't on a competition. There's two coaches on a competition committee, him and the guy he's going to face this week, Marvin Lewis. And I just think that that makes you even a little, you're you're sort of a spokesman for the league there and they come out and complain, even if it's not directed at any individual official, I think the word joke just really, uh, that's well, going to ruffle the feathers at the NFL office. Maybe so, but counter to that, the fact that he is on the competition, I think gives his comments more credence. And, I, I think- and in the past, he's been asked so many times, and I wish he would talk more about this because he's on the committee because it's of interest to us. And I think there have been times where they've been absolutely hosed on calls and he won't say anything about yeah. it. And when, when fans are screaming for him to complain and he backs off. Well, I think in this particular case, I mean, I, I do think that you just can't have one size fits all. I think that in this particular case, the, con- the criticism was constructive. It's not like everybody's not talking about it. I mean, a lot of people, the ratings are up this year. But that doesn't mean that people are happy with these new roughing the passer calls. And he's speaking the truth. He's addressing the elephant in the room. And I, I think that, again, his criticism was constructive for the benefit of the game. It wasn't like he said, oh, my team's getting screwed. Oh, my quarterback's being brutalized. He's his prefaces remarks by saying, I thought the calls today were completely legitimate. But some of the other ones, and he... I go back to two weeks ago or three weeks ago at his press conference. He said, I wonder what people at home, they, they don't want to sit there and watch that. Right. So I think, again, and I think if he just said, in speaking league. for the league or for the betterment of the NFL, I think we got to get this right. We got to get this corrected. As I said, the word joke is where he got a little flippant. And I think that's the kind of thing that, that ticks the corporate people off. I mean, I agree with him. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Clay Matthews play, some, I mean, it's hard to. And as we spoke a couple of weeks ago, Stan, not just in football, but we've seen it in hockey. When new rules come in, they they yeah. implement them ad nauseum to prove that they read the book and they understand things. And usually they back off some. If I'm not mistaken, two weeks ago was the least amount of roughing the quarterback penalties there were all season. And it looked like exactly what we had talked about was taking place. But then last we weekend, they went way up, up again. Yeah. So is that a matter of players not adapting or a matter of the officials either – underreacting or overreacting because, remember, two weeks ago they had a conference call with the competition committee. They said, we're not going to do anything now, but we're going to try to redefine with the officials and the players what we're going to do. Then they dropped. Why they went back up last week, I, I have no idea. But, I mean, clearly the competition committee said we're not going to change rule this year. The truth of the matter is, I did not know this until a couple of weeks ago, that rule about landing on the quarterback. 20-year-old rule. I heard you say that rule. when I was yeah. driving over. Yeah. So, so you know, what changed? What changed was, and Joe Starkey mentioned this in his column yeah, today. Yeah, it was a good piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, about, about you know, it, it's one thing. It's, it's, it's one thing if, I'm trying to pick out. Blake Bortles goes out. It's another thing if Aaron Rodgers goes out. It's another thing if Drew Brees goes out or Brady or Ben 
or any of the high-level quarterbacks. That gets their attention. They sell tickets, and they also increase eyeballs on screens. Well, the original question, I think it is hard for players to adapt when even within a, an individual game. You, you're playing basketball, okay, they're going to allow hand checks. You're not going to allow hand checks as long as you establish early on. If you're pitching baseball and you're all right, they're not giving me the low strike today. I can't get that down there. But when, you know, one quarter you're allowed to do something or one game you're allowed to do something and the next game you brush the guy's leg on the way down and don't even knock him over and you get called – I, I don't. I don't think any a human being can adapt to that because it's a floating, yeah. uh, a, a floating line. You're pushing the goalposts right back, back and forth. Um, Donnie says on Facebook there were times I've heard a lot worse. There was no fine. Uh, Jamerson said, "Oh, one can be fined for answering a question, or fined, or not." See beast mode, meaning Marshawn Lynch, uh, and he wasn't talking. All right, let's well, players. Once again, a guy on the competition committee is going to be viewed in a little higher esteem. If the principal of the school comes out and does something, he's going to be in bigger trouble than the gym teacher. Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. That's why when Tomlin messed around with the kickoff return uh, in Baltimore, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> they find him more because he was a member. Uh, Jacoby Jones, he ended up being a Steeler. He couldn't get out past the twenty like the rest of them. Uh, <laughs> this game against Cincinnati, two things about it. Uh, number one, the Atlanta game was very impressive. I know the Falcons are one and four, um, and you can say the Falcons' defense stinks. It does, and they're hurt, and so on and so forth. But you can't say that about the offense. And they really, as I said, that pro football focus, I think based on that, shutting down Atlanta like that, and they've lost a couple of close games, uh, moved the Steelers up. Um, if the Steelers are able to beat the Bengals, which they often do at Paul Brown Stadium. 17 out of the last 20, right? Yeah. Isn't that the number? Yeah, five in a row, whatever it is. Do you think that will tell us that, indeed, the Steelers are back on track? Well, I, I don't I mean, like – The Atlanta game by itself does not. No, but but I agree with you in that a lot of people thought, you know, well, it's Atlanta. Atlanta's offense came in. What what they did to shut down Julio Jones is very impressive. I don't care, you know. And I said a couple weeks ago, Joe Hayden, boy, you notice when he's out and when he's in there, and that that, that was that was the big part of that game. Not the points that they piled up. I expected them to score about forty points, but I expected them to give up about thirty-five yeah. to forty-two. Yeah. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway. I think we will if they do beat the Bengals. Then I, mean, I don't like all these divisional games earlier in the year, back to back to back, like they're coming up. One for TV purposes. In most recent years, they've kept the division games. From Thanksgiving on, at least the bulk of them. I mean, a lot of times, you're playing two or three of your divisional games in in December. I don't like them together. If you do happen to have a key injury, you're facing all those key teams at the same time uh, with somebody out. So I I, I'm, I think this stretch is going to tell us a lot more about them. But yeah, obviously, if they win this game, I mean, you could have the entire division separated by a half game very easily after this weekend's game. And then to me, it's just, it's a wash and the season starts October 20th or 21st then. By the but way, if they Baltimore, lose it, Baltimore's in Tennessee this week. That will not be easy for them. And Cleveland has the Chargers. Yeah. That's not an easy game either. No, it's not. No. I don't consider them a, a you know, division, uh, you know, a threat to win the division, no. but they're much more competitive. Um, well, and you read that apparently, you know, the Bengals have not convinced a lot of people that they're for real. And they're, here's the thing about them. Whether or not we know who the Steelers are, just if they beat Cincinnati this week, we're going to know who the Bengals are real soon because they got the, Patri the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. Or I think they're not in that order. Steelers, Chiefs, Chiefs and Patriots, the Patriots. Three weeks in a row, they could easily lose those three games and be back to what we have grown used to with them. Well, 
they still believe, and, you know, un, undeniably, I mean, the Steelers have been the dominant team in the division for the last number of years. Um, they still look at the Steelers like the boogeyman, even though they're 4-1. Who's your daddy? Uh, especially down in Cincinnati. And then, if they were to lose at home, and those people have to lie the loose escalator going down there into the river, which they, you know I, I named a couple of years ago. They go down, you know, they're yeah. depressed, and there they go again. Went to the Red Star. They can't even look forward to that. Um, and then they have to go to Kansas City. And I gave you those numbers. We'll get to that next week. Uh, the, the the Bengals on in prime time are just under Marvin Lewis are just unbelievably bad. Uh, they could fall apart, uh, and you know Baltimore could easily be three and three. Um, and I'd like to think, maybe I'm wrong, that the game against Baltimore was an aberration more than it's a relative indication of the strengths of both teams. Well, I think that of everything that's happened so far, the defensive performance against the Falcons is the most heartening thing because I kind of had a feeling that this season was going to be you're going to win some games 35-30, you're going to lose some games 38-35, and by and large you'll be lucky to win nine. If you if you play that kind of football now, after a while, hopefully they have improved somewhat. Now they talk about simplifying things. I noticed a lot less confusion in guys pointing, and you know, uh, I, I just think they looked a lot more organized defensively. But again, it was a home game. Uh, I expect fully Vontez Perfect to go after. Uh, I know you alluded to this earlier. That was the next part he, of the discussion. He will go after Juju. There is no question in my mind because it, it's just in his DNA. He's not going to let ha- what happened last year go, and hopefully it's at a key point in the game that really hurts them. Uh, but not hurts Juju. But not hurt. No, obviously not. That's the thing about him. If he wants to lay him out, and, yeah, Juju got suspended for that. That was a borderline call, but he did touch the helmet, um, but it was a heck of a hit. It was the celebration after that made it worse than standing I, over him? Right. That, that, in fact, the league even talked about that, and even the Steeler teammates said, "Hey, kid, you can't, you can't do that." Um, there isn't a person in Pittsburgh, however, didn't enjoy didn't, that oh, celebration. Absolutely. It was worth than, a one game suspension. That was better than Antonio Brown humping the goalpost that <laughs> that time uh, at his own peril. Uh, but the thing about Perfect is revenge to him is not laying a guy out with a big hit. It's ripping up his knee. That, to him, is revenge. And Marvin Lewis came out and said, we don't want any of that stuff. Uh, hey, Marvin Lewis, local guy, very nice guy. The fact is he has no control over that team. They talk about the Steelers' penalties, and they do lead the league in penalties. But in terms of the aberrant behavior on the field, the Bengals lead the league. Well, leading the league in penalties is one thing. If you're talking yardage and there's holding and there's right. uh, how many times have they been called now for 12 guys on the field and that kind of thing. If you want to look at, at violent penalties, if you just want to roughing the quarterback, uh, hitting a, a defenseless receiver, that kind of thing, that's the kind of stuff. that and, and they've had good teams over the years, and they have wasted some great talent there. I mean, that play 18-16 to 16 playoff game was one of the worst meltdowns I have ever seen because you, they did not have emotional control of themselves and allowed the Steelers to win a game they had no business winning. And you just fully expect that to happen again. I mean, I've talked to Marvin Lewis a lot of times. I like him a lot, but I, I don't believe he's had control of them over the years, and I don't. I expect because of the way that that, that game last year. I mean, the Ryan Shazier hit uh, was just a football play; it was an accident. It was a, but but he, he, and that's all will be all of our lasting memory from that game. But when you really go back and think about the guys getting laid out and and, and that got hurt in that game, was people say I'm not watching anymore. The game's not rough enough. That that game would that game would have been rough in 1947. Undoubtedly. 
Um, I, I just wonder. Uh, again, I, it's I really, so important for the Bengals. Well, they're claiming, and hopefully we talk to Tyler it's, Boyd because it's that not they're important. different this year. Well, well, this is their chance to prove it. Can they go out with a four and one record against the team they hate the most and play football and win a game without? Melting down. See, but that goes into their mentality about the Steelers, who's their daddy. It's not enough for them to beat the Steelers. They understand they the Steelers. Too. They want to hurt them. Uh, or at least, at least be ex- more physical than the Steelers' reputation. Everybody understands what the Steelers are known for. I don't think it's anywhere near what it once was. It's no. not, as a matter of fact. But it's not only beating the Steelers, it's being more physical than they are, which leads them to go over the edge because it's the mentality. We not only have to beat them, we have to show them who's the boss now. And that's why they go over the edge. The Steelers-Ravens still has that uh, uh, reputation. A bit. That, that, that's calmed down so much, I think, Steelers-Ravens. The games still mean a lot, but the nasty stuff and getting on the other team's bus and the, you know, the kind of crap that went on for a while, that's kind of gone away. And until – I mean, it seems some of these guys for the Bengals seem like they've been playing there for a 1,000 years, and until some of them are gone, I don't know that this is going to change. Well, again, I think they've got a point to prove. They not only have a game to win, they have a point to prove – uh, I also think that they're as hard hitting as those games were. There was some measure of mutual respect between the Steelers and, and the, the Ravens. Ravens. I don't think that exists at all here. I think you're spot when, on there. When, when you when you got guys spitting in people's face like Burfick did to DeCastro and you know cheap shots and all that kind of stuff. What they what he did to Brown in, in that playoff game. Um, we are going to talk to Tyler Boyd. He's from Clareton. He wouldn't even consider that. He's from Pitt. He would never do that. Uh, he's one of them bears down there. Exactly. He's really become a heck of a player. Uh, he was a heck of a player here, but in the NFL, uh, he is going to be joining us. We're all going to talk some penguin hockey as well. This date, this is a great this date in sports history uh, and birthday still to come. It's Stan and Guy Day. Love the show. Savernon Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh.